Welcome back to Higher ID, the podcast where we talk about all things instructional design and higher ed. We're your hosts, Christy J. Woods and Dr. Jess Slatler, and it's our first episode of season two. We are pumped to be back for our second season of the Higher ID podcast, and today we thought we'd spend our first episode back shaping our space for 2023. Christy, I am so excited to be back. You know I love talking about space, whether that is designing space, making space for ourselves or others, or just contemplating all of the possibilities. So let's get started with how we're shaping our space right now. Um, One of the topics that came up at the end of 2022 and the start of 2023 is not burning out. You Mm. and I are both very passionate people, and we love being engaged and involved with our instructional design community inside and outside of our institutions, but we definitely um, discussed and, and tried to figure out ways where we would not burn out when we were taking on so much. Totally. Yeah. And so we both decided, which it was a great decision. Um, We both decided that taking January off was um, a good idea, not just from the podcast, but from many of the things, projects we were finishing up and things, um, other things, because we were looking to create some space for both of us to transition and learn new things, as well as just take some create some downtime um, with family and, and think about and practice um, for some personal health. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I'm really glad that we took that month of January off and it wasn't like, um, it wasn't just us producing the podcast. It was us not, we didn't meet to talk about the podcast. We didn't record to talk about the podcast. We didn't do any of those things. And I'm really glad that we got that space. And looking back, I think that. Um, I'm I'm reflecting just on how many things you were involved in during our first season of the podcast that really came to an end at the end of 2022. So I think even more so, it was just so nice to have a break from all of the other things, including the podcast. Um, and I know myself, like I can get maybe fearful of taking a break on things and feel like, oh my gosh, I'm never going to be able to come back or I'm going to lose momentum. People are going to lose interest, those kind of things. But um, I think overall in terms of burnout and mental well-being, I think taking a break is so important. So I'm glad we did it. I agree. I, um, I had taken on a lot and something yes, you did. <laughs> some things were out of personal excitement and um, passion for projects like the grant writing and the IELO participation in IELOL, which is mm-hmm. the, the Institute for Emerging Leaders in Online Learning. And and those kind of intertwined as well as presenting at conferences. Right. But um, it was also teaching. Yeah. <laughs> and 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 designing full time. So and uh, also you have a whole other business and also you have a family with kids. Yeah. So so I'll admit um the end of 2022 got a little crazy and yeah. kind of on an interesting note one of the things that I did do in January on our break um was I listened to a book cuz you I can't stop learning. 
I need to make a song maybe about it or but I just, just can't stop learning. <laughs> there you go. It's a jingle. <laughs> yeah. Um but the I read a book, surprise, right? And yeah. it's called Essentialism, the Disciplined Pursuit of Less by Greg McGowan. Uh, I think it's McGowan. I could be saying that incorrectly. Um sure. But I listened to it and it was really great. It just helped me focus a little bit more on saying no. Cool. And and pursuing the things that really fill my heart with um with joy. You know, like yeah. and and as an instructional designer, it really talked about alignment. Mm, <laughs> so I okay. so I appreciated that element. Sounds cool. Yeah. Yeah like aligning some of these things that I'm doing better with my, um, the outcomes I'm looking for. Yeah, totally. That's so funny. I I haven't read that book, but I have had it recommended to me because in, um, I think it was July, maybe August, which was right around the time that we were, um, like fully involved in the podcast in the first season. Um, I mean, we've been working on it throughout the whole year already, but that was like, I think kind of the meat of when things were happening for us. Um, I read a book that also helped me to say no, and it is called Do Nothing by Celeste Headley. Um, and it is so excellent. And it really helped me to change my perspective on kind of the propaganda of productivity and busyness and hustle culture. There was a lot of research in the book, which I loved, um, but basically kind of showcasing that the opposite of a productivity tends to be like this laziness um, that's just not true, right? So that was like a really life-changing book for me. And I feel like I kind of um, uh, learned a hard lesson of saying no right then in that August time frame, and mm-hmm. at the same time I had been recommended Essentialism I just haven't read it yet so it's so funny that you and I both read books that were like stop <laughs> <laughs> yeah take 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 a break and take I'll a ad- break. I'll admit like I have my whole life I've been trained or kind of been in this thought that producing is valued and so why valued is my production Um, and there's there's so much theory on that that I'm not going to go into that right now (laughs) yeah that's some deep stuff (laughs) yeah but but um I appreciated the book and appreciated kind of just the the focus that it it helped me focus on on trying to align those goals better and um, let go of some things. Mm-hmm. Um, and you, um, you were really busy too. I mean, you were transitioning into a new position and. Right. Yeah, uh, I was. And, <laughs> Still and, am. In a yeah, lot of ways. yeah. Yeah. And that's always like a shift in gears in terms of there is this onboarding process that, you know, it's definitely a learning process to get used to new technology or processes Mm -hmm. and procedures and all that. What can can you, can you tell me anything more about that and kind of the relationship with our January taking off? (laughs) Yeah. um, I'll say when uh, things were kind of picking up in the podcast toward the end of 2022 is when I was applying for this role, um, like in September ish. 
And then I got the new role in November and have, you know, been in it for a few months now that it's February um, when we're recording this. And so, yeah, I think one, it was a step up for me transitioning into this role because there is leadership, management, supervision role that I hadn't yet um, done since I, from my clinical days when I was a counselor. So it'd been a while since I integrated that into the like everyday work that I'd been doing. Um, so I just knew that like, I really wanted to be intentional coming onto a new team and coming into the leadership team of that team. How many times can I say team? <laughs> um, uh, but I, I knew that I wanted to be intentional. So I, I purposely said no to a lot of things towards the end of the year and, and ended up only doing the things that I felt like aligned with the goals that I had knowing that uh, transitions can sometimes just be really muddy and um, they take time and space and mental energy and emotional energy. And Mm -hmm. so um, I had already kind of pared things down before we took our break in January, but it was really lovely to just not have to, um, not not that this is like, you know, the podcast is fun. I really, I really just enjoy it. It's a, it's yeah. a fun project for me. I get a lot of energy from it. I enjoy having these wonderful conversations with you. It's even more fun that they're recorded and we get to put them out in the world. Um, so it's not like this is um, emotionally draining for me, but it is a lot of work. Like it's, mm-hmm. it's us meeting weekly. It's us going over um, the, kind of ins and outs of the descriptions, the show notes, when we're going to put things out, marketing on LinkedIn and through our different channels, editing the podcast, getting it up, recording and scheduling. It's a lot of just little stuff that adds up. Um, so it was really nice to not have to worry about that in January and completely take some space away from that. Um, again, it's not it's not like I was feeling burnt out with the podcast in general, but it's just lovely to not even be reactive, right? We're being proactive in our burnout. Like right. we're doing great. The podcast is wonderful. We love doing it. It's such a passion project for both of us. I know you love it too, Jess. And sure. um, and it's okay to take a break, even if it's going well, right? So yeah. um, I loved it. I w- I'm really grateful um, to have had that space to continue to focus on my new position um and not have to worry about all the ins and outs of the podcast yeah no I absolutely agree and um I think now that we're coming back it's like it's it's like any big project it's always good to take almost you take a mental break walk away from it set it down And it gives you, I think it gives you a great opportunity to reflect too. Yeah. And so thinking about reflection, um, as we are coming back, we have updated some of our podcasting process. So I'm excited. Um, That is still in progress, but we're going to be using some new technology. So we're, well, not new technology. Gosh, uh, uh, we're going to actually be using some technology like Calendly uh, to connect with people and schedule and Recording. yep, yep, and finally uh, getting our website up and running. Yeah, which by the way, I we had sort of created the website already, and just we got really hung up on the website before we um, actually put the podcast out into the world. We'd already recorded some episodes, but we were like waiting and waiting on our website. And I just looked back at it 
Um, and it's like pretty good. <laughs> like it's like I think we could have put it out when we were like, oh, I don't know, I don't know. I think we could have just put it out and iterated it from there. Um, I don't know that we have that much more work to do on that on on my end. I'll say because um, the point is is to have like a landing page and to have a place for transcripts really um that's that's what I see the purpose of our website so I do think that's going to be less work because I think we've already done the majority of it when I was looking back I'm like oh okay oh great it's pretty much done um yeah so I'm just giggling at past Jess and past Christy who were like you know in analysis paralysis over this website (laughs) absolutely (laughs) right And now we're also um, going to be doing some training in Adobe Premiere, um, especially on my side. Um, Yeah. So I'm excited about that. Yeah, I am too. We used Camtasia before, which like anybody who's like really like up there with audio stuff is probably like, what, what are you doing using Camtasia or a Premiere for editing just audio? But um, they're really easy to use. And um, Premiere has like all these shortcuts that are so much easier to use than Camtasia was. So I'm excited about kind of creating some uh, like tutorials and how to's on on that just to get back into the groove too so yes all good stuff so now we're in the new year pretty far into the new year we've had our january off and i think we're already um knee deep and other things but (laughs) but not over maybe not overly deep but um you know that's how the semester starts january's you know, the end of January kind of takes off with projects at work. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, so let me see. I have, you know, I'm some of the things from last semester are continuing, but mm-hmm. um, I'm resubmitting my HSI grant. Yeah. And uh, the feedback I got from it was really positive. And so I appreciate the opportunity to have feedback on a grant application. Um, most of the grants that were received were STEM focused, mm-hmm. but they encouraged me to resubmit. And um, there was only one thing on the budget that they were like, we'd like to know more about this basically. And so I'm yeah. gonna I'm gonna update that and submit again and, and see what happens. Cool. Uh, let's see what else, some other, a couple of other exciting things. I, um, Funny enough, I didn't realize that we didn't have bilingual captions available um, Mm -hmm. or it wasn't established at our university and I work with mostly bilingual classes. Um, Not mostly, but commonly if there's a bilingual class, they give it to you. Yeah, they ask for me or or they give it to me. and that's not in just in Spanish, but other classes too. But like in foreign languages, we often don't caption the foreign language because we, you're working on your listening skills. So um, they often don't caption those. But so I didn't realize there wasn't bilingual captions and I'm doing a bilingual, um, bilingual jur- journalism course on audio production, podcasting. Cool. Yeah. Podcasting okay. radio. <laughs> that's so funny. <laughs> right. Right up my alley. And I said, yeah. I sent them for captioning and uh, they came back as speaking Spanish. And I was like, oh, 
Uh, yeah. Oh, que vergüenza. It, yeah, I was really embarrassed, actually, um, because you can't have a bilingual class and your captions are like English, English words, and then all of a sudden speaking Spanish. So, What do you I, use for captioning, just like as a side note? I'm just curious. Um, there's a company that does captioning for us. Okay. I think it's, I think it's called Rev. But yeah. yeah. And so um, captioning in another language is very expensive, I found out. Mm-hmm. But I was able to connect through um, through some people and, and with the support of some project management um, people on my team uh, to connect with the ADR office. And they made a suggestion and found some less expensive bilingual captioning. And it's not just like Spanish or English. This captioning is... Spanglish, Spanish, English mixed. So yeah, so that is now being established at my institution. And I'm super excited, not only to not um, feel like we didn't do our job on those captioning items for classes Mm -hmm. that really need them, but also now there's this space to go to for that. Yeah. That's super cool. Actually, um, that's uh, been a, a concern for our foreign language classes as well. And we've, um, one of our team members, um, who's fantastic, he's been trying to figure out how to use AI to help caption some of those and has found kind of a, a work around instead of paying for a service um, to help with some of that too. So that's so funny that you know, you're in Arizona, I'm in Colorado, but those are definitely big pieces and we need to have those bilingual captions or foreign language captions as well. It's important. Yeah. And I will say that um, you might get some um, resistance on from foreign language faculty for that. Mm-hmm. Um, like I had not previously captioned my foreign language classes because reading and listening are different skills. And right. in foreign language classes, you always have to address all four skills. Right. So there, there is a debate about captioning yeah. in those classes. But for the bilingual journalism, absolutely, we had to have captions. So yep. that's getting done. And kind of cool. another awesome news update, and I'll try to make that short, is mm-hmm. one of the classes that I taught in the fall was a gen ed course. Um, we revamped our gen ed program at the University of Arizona And I taught a UNIV 101 course um, for freshmen honor students. And I started off the class bilingually. Um, I expected that there were some students that spoke other languages. I, you know, I've mentioned this before, but by the end of the semester, all all positive feedback from students and great connection with, in terms of inclusion within the classroom. But one of the feedback items I gave to um, the coordinator and group running these courses, which there were 350, over th- like around 350 sections, wow. is um, we are in HSI. We need to have a bilingual, um, not just in Spanish, but a bilingual offering of this course. If we mm-hmm. have 350 sections, I highly, highly will push for a bilingual course, uh, this course bilingually. There'll, there's some small changes you'd make to the online element, but mm-hmm. because it's bilingual Spanish and English, um, 
it, it just creates more inclusion and invites students to bring them their whole selves to the classroom at the, at the university in higher education. And, and that is um, what I thought is best practices in, um, in assets-based pedagogy. Yeah. And so Plus, now they're, they're totally serving the students at that institution. I'm so inspired by you, Jess. Like, I've well, well, so now we're doing it and I'm helping do it. So I'm, I'm, I'm so excited. Wow. So by the fall semester, we're going to be offering um, a handful of bilingual um, Univ 101 course um, sections, and I'll be teaching cool. one of them. Yeah. So I'm happy about that. That's cool. That's really cool. Well, um, I also have PD items, but I don't want to talk about everything. Um, tell me a little bit about what you're doing. Yeah, so um, I've got mostly PD coming up right now. We're doing some initiatives at our um, in our department focused on uh, accessibility and inclusion, particularly with digital tools. Um, mm-hmm. And just to kind of give you like a little bit of background on our team, each of our <clears throat> supervisors and, our, and really our managers within our space kind of has a focus, um, a domain. And so my domain uh, is in accessibility and inclusion and also in learner engagement, which kind of falls in that digital tools ed tech space. Mm-hmm. So um, we're really just trying to establish some practices for what that looks like on our team, both evaluating tools that are in courses, free and paid, and then um, establishing some uh, procedures for using Articulate. Our team uses Storyline and RISE both in non-credit and academic courses. Um, And Articulate, I think, has come a long way with their accessibility practices, but some of them are still so vague, mm-hmm. um, especially with the different interactives. Um, like technically, is a drag and drop accessible from a keyboard? Mm, probably not. Um, but on their site, they'll say that it is. So it's just some of those things where our team is kind of finding out what are the best practices. We're meeting with some folks. Um, we have both like a student disability resource center and then also an assistive technology resource center. Um, and so we're meeting with those folks and trying to like figure out, like help us understand what it is, um, what it means to be keyboard accessible um, and how do we make sure that this is accessible in our courses. So I, nice. I've always loved this about our team. That was a big reason why I applied this position. And, um, and I think, Part of the reason why I was one of the people that was chosen and hired is because of the accessibility and inclusion effort. Mm-hmm. So um, that's kind of our focus of our team right now, which I'm loving. <laughs> yes, I love that. And um, I think sometimes it is such a great area and so many instructional designers are like, I think this is accessible. They say it's accessible, but is it really accessible? So mm-hmm. kind of learning, taking some time to learn some of those um, features, but not just from a technology standpoint, but for to step in the shoes of someone using that technology, like keyboard accessibility. Right? Totally. That's yeah, awesome. exactly. Yeah. yeah. And there's always more to learn with accessibility. Like yeah. I, I feel like it's sort of this never ending rabbit hole of sorts where there's always more to understand and to learn and to explore. So I'm excited to continue my knowledge area around that and to bring that to our team. 
Um, so that's kind of our big focus. Of course, developing courses um, and um, doing all of the supervision and, and mentoring um, this year with ID2ID. So I'm excited nice. to do that and, and help some folks there. I think that will be just a nice, um, I've always loved like the mentorship aspect of any kind of leadership. So I'm excited to get some energy from that too. Um, yeah, I think that'll be fine. Yeah, I think that's great. I just finished up the mentorship with ID to ID. And yeah. Yeah. And so it was really positive and now I'm, I'm doing some other things. So yeah. Um, let's see. Uh, just a quick note. We're both doing learning labs this semester. Yeah, through Educause. Yep. Through Educause. I'm doing the designing inclusive and equitable learning environments. I'm always interested to see what others have to share and what I can learn um, to increase my skills in this area. And what, which one are you doing? Yep, I'm doing one on universal applying UDL and in your courses and at your institutions with Tom Tobin, who is the author of the Reach Everyone, Teach Everyone, mm-hmm. um, one of the co-authors of that book, Reach Everyone, Teach Everyone. So um, I'm excited to get to learn from him on that. And I think, you know, a great, uh, we'll talk about some future topics for our episodes, but I think that those both would be excellent kind of recaps. I think they're very similar um, in terms of like inclusion and accessibility. Uh, and I think it would be sweet to kind of take what we've learned from it and what we applied. Our, mine's an applied project one. So I'm excited to like apply UDL to something. Um, so yeah, I think that would be a cool recap for sure. Yeah, no, I think those are both great topics. I um, UDL, UX design, that's an inclusion love all those topics so yeah yep and um and just another note on pd i think you and i are doing like a bazillion (laughs) professional developments this year um but i'm excited because i'm going to be doing the educause new managers institute oh nice Um, yeah and that's uh doesn't start until april but um i'm just excited to learn from educause on what they think is important for managers um I know they've got like some things about budgeting and kind of strategic planning and project management. I'm very much growing in systems thinking and understanding the whole ecosystem and making decisions based off of that. So I'm excited to kind of take some things from that too. Um, And then we can compare those with IE LOL. (laughs) Maybe that's another topic um, because I think it will be just really interesting to hear about both um, experiences for people who are interested in those too. I agree. No, that sounds exciting. I had looked at that program too. So yes, you will have to share. So what are we off to next topic? We're shaping more spaces and how are we shaping these spaces? Um, Maybe with the topics of interest for the season. Yeah. You want to kick it off? (laughs) Yes. Yeah. I mean, I've already kind of gone into that. I think that's definitely taking our professional development and kind of reflecting on those experiences and um, will be great topics. I think the UDL and and, uh, equitable design and then IELOL and the new managers Institute for Educause are great, but we've also got some um, kind of here's how to apply things, almost like Mm -hmm. a show and tell, um, uh, practical tips for UDL, accessibility. I think we're 
also interested in exploring more inclusion and um, maybe like starting off your first week of your course with inclusive practices for both faculty, but then also designing inclusively. I know that you just wrote, um, read a pretty good book about inclusive design, Jess. Mm-hmm. So I think that those would be sweet topics to explore and definitely, uh, you know, those kind of like practical tips, like three strategies for accessibility in a course or whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. I think those are always nice kind of takeaways for people to apply in their own experience. So I'd love to do some more of those and just kind of talk about what we're doing and, and the work that we're doing now. Yeah. Um, yeah, go ahead, Jess, jump in. No, I, I was going to say for sure. And I mean, as a as a faculty and an instructional designer, I really appreciate um, not only sharing ideas and um, theoretical ideas and, and but what we're actually doing on the ground and what what what, what we have learned from that. Mm-hmm. So in that way, we're able to share kind of what are some of those what are some of those best practices or strategies that people can take and learn from and and share some examples, right? I I really appreciate that because it kind of puts the story into context, right? Makes it more usable and understandable. Yeah, I agree 100%. And you know, one topic that I'm super interested in talking about that's the hot topic in (laughs) instructional design and really education right now is that chat GPT, the AI. And um, and I'll just say, just candidly, obviously we can go into more of it during an episode, but I've used ChatGPT just as like um, a brainstorming tool. Mm-hmm. Um, for instance, I'm designing a web design course right now, and it's so highly applied. I mean, they're already in there with HTML and C- CSS, and they're developing a website, either a portfolio or Um, like a small business website and they have all these wonderful test exercises and um, I was inspired about an article about integrating play into higher education so I've been thinking about like how can we make this more playful how can we have more fun with this and looking at chat GPT as a brainstorming tool to say like what ideas would you have for integrating play into a course Um, Mm. and it gave me some great ideas like I think that there's there's opportunity not just like within our in our job I'll say also candidly I've used mm-hmm. chat GPT to do like journaling prompts and sure. like, help, help me figure out some journaling prompts uh as I turn 30 this year which by the way I turned 30 this oh. year in July um and so uh yeah it's just a cool tool so I think like chat GPT obviously you know some of the bigger theoretical theoretical conversations are like how does this shape education how can we help our faculty things like that but also like how can we use it for ourselves and um how does it help us think outside the box and help us Mm -hmm. brainstorm in a more creative way I think there's opportunity there so I'm kind of jazzed about that maybe that'll be an episode for us I'm sure it will um, I think some other topics that I'm really interested in, besides ChatGPT, of course, um, <laughs> is um, project management and instructional design, of course. Yeah. Yeah. And um, like workload balance for IDs. There's such like a huge swing from one number to another. What's what's 
what's a good workload balance for instructional designers. Mm-hmm. And I'm very interested besides like bilingual spaces and multilingual spaces and how to manage those and, and create um, interaction and supporting students. And um, I'm really interested in social learning and online learning. Yeah. 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 Yeah, moving beyond the discussion board. <laughs> yeah. That's what I'm interested in with the social learning aspect. I think that's like the quickest student to student interaction that you can throw into a course. But how can we expand upon that? What does that look like? I think that that's definitely opportunities. And and going back to like workload balance uh, for IDs, I think there's an opportunity for a conversation of just how different instructional design is from other roles. And and I know you and I have both held different roles besides instructional design. And when it's a project-based role, it sometimes feels like you're never done. And I think this goes back to our, like our productivity conversation of like, Oh, it's so nice. Like be super productive, check all these things off your to-do list feel amazing. Friday comes, you're done. You know, (laughs) you don't have to think about work. And I just, I just feel like instructional design is not that job. It, there are so many projects, so many moving parts, things that are long-term projects that just do not get done in the same way that when I was an advisor or when I was a counselor, I like saw my four students for the day and then I was done. And um, maybe I had one other project that was kind of longer term, but it was not like my entire role. So I think like talking about some of those pieces in regard to like workload or even work-life balance uh, Mm -hmm. might be a nice conversation to have to just kind of normalize some of these things. Yeah, because I mean, instructional design is very iterative, cyclical, right? And um, some of those iterations come back to you. A lot Mm -hmm. of times they do because, but because design is iterative and Mm -hmm. um, reaching and supporting your students is, is kind of this continuous improvement project. And, And so even if you've quote unquote finished that project, that project might come back for some secondary um, mm-hmm. touches and improvements. And yeah, so I think that, and that does impact your workload as an instructional designer. Yeah. Um, and there's even moments when, oh, we'll have to go talk about it later, but there's moments <laughs> when I think, oh man, this class is the bomb. It's great did such a great job on developing it and the faculty was amazing. And we just think, you know, you put so much work into it. You're, you should be proud of your work and you think you put out the best product. And then after the first run, you're like, well, (laughs) need to go back and improve some things. But, um, but it, it is that student feedback, um, that often identifies those gaps or barriers in the system. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Good point. Yeah. So, so those will definitely be topics as we come through uh, season two. Yeah. So we're excited to get back into the swing of things. We'll have some, some more, I think it'll be cool for you and I just, just to have some more conversations, just you and I, I think we'll definitely absolutely still have guests, but I think um, we have so much to share. 
honestly, I feel like if, if the time permitted and scheduling permitted, we would have recordings upon recordings upon recordings <laughs> of our conversations because I think they are helpful and and very timely for a lot of other folks in higher ed and in instructional mm-hmm. design. Um, so I think we're going to incorporate that a little bit more into this season and still invite some really incredible guests to speak with us too and share their expertise. So I'm excited for that. Absolutely. I'm, I'm very excited. And I think for now, uh, we can say thank you um, to everyone for continuing with us. And let's get started with 2023. And we'll talk, we'll talk to you soon. Join us next time for our next episode of Higher ID. Bye. Adios. Bye.